0: listening to How I See It, hosted by Han. You guessed it, that's me. I am here to motivate and inspire you with guests from all different industries and backgrounds. So get ready for personal stories of success, of growth, full of highs and lows, and of course, unapologetic realness. This is How I See It. I'm so excited.
1: I'm so excited. You
0: guys, my besties on the pod. Finally. Okay, so Brittany is here. I'm going to give you an intro. This feels so professional, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> do it. So Brittany is one of my best friends. She is a director of marketing. She's a graphic designer. She's a creative. She's a surfer now. Okay. There's so <laughs> many things. But I'm going to let you take it over and just tell a little bit about yourself. And then I kind of want to start with like how we met. Because I feel like it's a great place to start.
1: It is a good story. So I grew up in Connecticut, kind of along the shoreline in... A very white, very conservative area. Love it. It' a great place to grow up, just not a forever place for me. And then I went to school in upstate New York to study fashion and ended up not working in fashion at all. And then lived in New York City for seven years and kind of started my career there. And I started off as like a front desk girl and I love that. sort of um, the official title was office coordinator. You know, it's a profession. To keep it real professional and like make it better for my ego. But <laughs> by and large, I was a receptionist and sort of saw an opportunity to carve out an entire new division and department and service offering for the company that I was at. Super cool. Yeah. And I'm honestly really lucky that they gave me the freedom to kind of do that and build that out. But Very quickly went from working as a front desk girl and a receptionist in finance and capital markets, specifically in the healthcare and life sciences industry, to being a creative services manager and doing kind of like graphic design, branding, um, brand identity, and all that stuff for a whole portfolio of companies. I feel like we need to back up a little bit because I want you to talk about like... Was that like the goal?
0: Like, how did you even end up at like a finance tech company? Like you studied fashion. Were you always into like the graphic designs on the side? I know you've told me a little bit about your story. Yeah. I know you so well. We can go all over the place. Like I know you like, we're like child modeling and then getting into mm. the fashion and creative. Yeah. And then you end up at this finance and tech company. I feel like it's yeah. a really good example of how like your vision can like pivot so drastically, but you can still stay in like what you're passionate about.
1: Yeah. I guess backing it all the way up living in connecticut we were so close to new york city and my parents had really humble jobs they knew they were not going to be able to pay for college or do any of that so they were kind of like we're gonna put these kids into a childhood modeling start to save some money for them so that they can go to college and so from like three months old until i was in middle school like 12 13 i was working and modeling um, as a child in new york city and i was Signed to two of the top modeling agencies in the entire world, Wilhelmina Models. Wilhelmina Models being one of them from a very young age. And that caused all sorts of issues for me later. I think my younger sister got away without those same traumas. But by and large, it instilled a large belief in me that I was not good enough to be chosen, specifically chosen over another girl. Yeah. (laughs) We're already getting in. And so I grew up being really passionate about fashion. And I remember it was like a Mary-Kate and Ashley movie where they go to like fit 'em, which is out here on the West Coast. And right from that moment, I must have been like 10. Right from that moment, I was like, I want to be in fashion. I want to work in New York City. And then I want to go to the West Coast and I want to go to California. So from a very young age, I had set those big aspirations and goals for myself and Didn't end up going exactly that way, but um, ultimately got me out here and achieving my goals anyways. But I went to school for fashion, and the school I went to was a very expensive private school in upstate New York that I had no idea at the time was going to cost so much money. But it was a really good school for fashion, had really good connections in the fashion industry, which is why I chose that school. And when I graduated and the reality of all those student loans kind of came crashing down on me, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I'm not yeah. going to be able to work in fashion, which, surprise, fashion entry-level jobs do not make a <laughs> lot of money. Um, I was like, shit, like, I'm not going to be able to pay my my loans. So at that point in time, I was like, I have no idea what I want to do at all. And I had taken one course in all those fashion classes that taught me how to use adobe photoshop and adobe illustrator so dope. one class very expensive one class um <laughs> that i ended up building my entire career off of but Which i ended so up cool. taking that receptionist job in finance in healthcare of all places like i was an arts and creative person and i ended up working in like science and finance um, so cool but i took that entry-level receptionist job because that job in finance at the front desk was paying so much more than the the fashion job than the fashion job was and I was like wow like I had this moment where I was like I really have to like give up my dream right now for money to to pay my loans and that is not who I am and that's was a big moment for me but that's ultimately how I got into doing uh, like the whole Instagram influencer thing and I don't do it that much anymore just because my life has taken me in other directions and the platform sucks (laughs) Um, (laughs) we could have a whole episode just on that we're not gonna go down that rabbit hole but I was like okay I'm gonna take this job I'm gonna carve out a space for myself find a way to still be creative and again, very thankful that I had leadership who trusted me to do that at a very young age. I was this girl out of college and they were like, you want to build out an entire department? You want to set prices on this? You want to have a whole new service offering for our clients? Go for it.
0: Yeah. And I love that. And I, I wanted you to tell this story too, especially since... I know it's not what we're going to talk about most of the episode, but I think it's like so inspiring and cool. And I want you to speak a little bit into like how you even had the confidence to do that and like where that came from. Like, were you always like confident in that way?
1: No, (laughs) I actually was a super shy kid growing up. So I think that it took a really long time for me to learn how to stick up for myself. And if there's one thing that I've learned in my whole career, it's that, It's not going to be given to you if you don't ask. Yep. You have to be your own advocate. And so you deserve a seat at the table. You deserve a seat at the table. And so when I saw the opportunity, I made a case for myself and I've many times over the course of my career found myself sitting in a room with five 50 year old white men demanding more money, demanding a different title, demanding a bonus, demanding everything that I knew that I deserved. And If you don't ask for it, they're not going to give it to you. There are no feelings in business. I say that to you often and it comes down to you fighting for what you know you deserve and the value that you bring. So it's literally how I've built my entire career is just being ballsy and, and having the guts to ask and you know, within informed reasons. You can go, you're gonna be 10 times more confident when you go to that table and ask for that $10,000 raise if you can point to A, B, and C performance. Like if you show up your best self every day to your job, your task, whatever it is, when you're going to then ask someone for more money or ask someone for a better title, you have ground to stand on and you can say, this is why I deserve it. Totally. I
0: love that you said that because I feel like we've talked to like a few people in our lives recently about like going after like a raise or going after like a career jump. And we always just point out and it sounds so simple and I know it's harder said than done, but like, The worst you can hear is no, or the worst you can like get for asking is staying in the same place you're already in. So why are you scared to take a risk that you'll probably get a good answer to, especially if you feel like you deserve it? And I feel like you've done that, and like even that how you like got this new position because like newsflash, you guys, uh, Brittany's a badass. Like she's literally not even thirty, and is just like a boss. So like I wanted her to touch on this a bit because the career moves and jumps she has made are just exponentially cool and amazing but also it got her to San Diego which is where our stories collide so like where can you talk a little bit about like how that transition started like were you just like kind of feeling stuck at work and wanting a new change of scenery I know you said your dream was California since you were little
1: yeah I always said I'm gonna do my 20s in New York City party it up Live that life and then when my thirties were approaching, go to the West Coast and kind of do everything else. The family, kids, like once I was got to a certain place in my career, and that's a very New York City mentality. Like yeah. you go, go, go on your career, you get to a certain point and then you vibe out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> but no more warehouse parties. No you. more warehouse, broken warehouse parties, though. Yeah, you're yeah. like I'm just you will be missed. <laughs> yeah. You will be actually you're not. You missed. will be for,
0: you won't be forgotten, but you will not be <laughs> I lost a legacy on that city, I swear.
1: <laughs> um, but the career change was a strategic move. It wasn't something that I was looking for at the time, and it was something that very naturally fell into my lap. I think the universe brought that to me in a way that felt really aligned. I had an ex-coworker who moved to that company. And at the time I was seeing a kid in San Diego and he was like, by the way, like my new company has an office in San Diego. And this was like seven months before this job opportunity came down the pike. And I remember in my head, something stuck about it. Something in my gut felt right. And Mm -hmm. there were no opportunities because I had created my whole department and my whole service offering at my previous firm, similar firm, similar job. And I was like, I'll do it for them. And so I had asked my coworker, like my ex-coworker so many times to introduce me to this company. Never did. Shout out to him. (laughs) Yeah. Seven seven months later, you know, I was like, fine, I'll do it myself. Seven months later, I get a LinkedIn notification from a message and it was a guy who worked at that company and he wanted to talk. I was very happy at my job. I was not looking to leave. I was happy with my title, my pay, what I was doing there. I was leading a team. Yeah. I entertained the conversation and it felt right. And the most important part of it was that they were going to let me move to LA. That was my goal. Yeah. It was not ever San Diego, even after meeting you, visiting you yeah. multiple times. I love you to death. I, I know. I said LOL. to you, she was like, <laughs> be honest with me. And I was like, I'm moving to L.A. I'm so appreciative that you showed me San Diego. It's great. I know. I'm moving to L.A. So funny. My hand is like hovering over the contract for this new job. And the CEO is like, hey, if you're going to move across the country, we would really prefer that you move like an hour and a half south and be in the office sometimes in San Diego. This was a serious pay raise. This was a serious pay raise, and this was my my dream title, of yeah. director of marketing. And I was not in a position to turn it down, so I said, "I'm willing to compromise." <laughs> Hannah's there, and I will. I'll. I will move to San Diego. Yeah, we need to back
0: up too, because when you were deb- like deliberating, I remember like when I first met you. So rewind. Me and Brittany were always connected on socials. She still does content creation. And so we always followed each other Mm -hmm. and we were connected through mutuals because a lot of her friends in the content creation industry in New York, I was connected with. Yes. So I'm visiting New York. This is January, 2022, right? Yes. And we all coordinate a dinner. And so I'm like, like talking with her friend, Maggie, and I'm like, yeah, invite Brittany invite, like, like, I just like was like, threw out a bunch of names. And something about me and Brittany is that we are not like, like we are nice girls. We're, we're outgoing. We'll talk, but we don't go out of our way to talk. We're to We're not
1: really like girls, girls, not to be like, we're guys, girls, but we kind of are yeah, like, I support women and we're girls, yes. girls in
0: the way of like supporting women, 100%. but we're not like girls, girls in the sense of like, hello, everyone. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to entertain the entire table. But something about me and Brittany, we just like magnetized to each other. And I yes. remember seeing her at the bar, like we were all kind of early. And I remember she immediately just like started opening up to me. And it was so strange because now after the fact, us talking about this interaction, we both are like, we're so not like that.
1: I'm so not like that. It to takes, like open me, up. takes me a while to open up to people. And Hannah and I didn't even sit, we sat at opposite ends of the table during actual dinner. So it yeah. was kind of just that waiting period for everyone to get there it couldn't have been more than 15 20 minutes and there was a spark (laughs) there was a spark there was chemistry (laughs) and it turned into a lasting
0: relationship no yeah so fast forward she's like considering this She's seeing that guy in San Diego. And then she's considering this job in the back burner. I had no idea really about too much about it yet. And she happens to be in Orange County. And I see on her story that she's in Orange County. I happen to be in Orange County this same weekend. So I message her. And this is so out of character for me, too, to want to invite some random, not that you were random, but but like (laughs) kind of random person to sit in traffic with me for two and a half hours to San Diego. But I did. I just felt this like inclination to message you and say like I know that you have been wanting to visit San Diego like do you want to come up with me and like just come and I'll show you around and we can hang out and you were like yeah and I was like really and you were like yeah so I pick up Brittany and we just have a no radio, n- like no radio, you guys, like nothing for conversation. like two and
1: a half hours, no radio, just full blown trauma dumping. We trauma know.
0: dumped hard and newsflash, that's what this episode is going to be. No, I'm just
1: kidding. <laughs>
0: Strap in kids. Strap in. So it's just really, me and Brittany always talk about, you know, our entire philosophy and faith and way we live is like surrendering to God, the universe's plan, but also just like divine, like divine timing and perfect plans. And like our relationship truly was divine because when we, met we both were at different points in this what we call our healing journey and I think that's what we're going to talk about a lot in this episode today is just like what that looks like and what like dating now and like making relationships and having adult friendships and how we're working through this never-ending healing journey and that was what that car conversation was like pretty much and it's like so special to me still like to this day that we had this amazing open conversation about how chaotic and triggering our childhood was and how we got to where we are now. It was just so cool. Like, cause you don't have that very often.
1: You don't. And I think that it was so interesting because we come from very different backgrounds and very different upbringings. And even the childhood trauma that we did have was very different, but it somehow still manifested in the same ways of us yeah. still having to learn the same lessons and unlearn all of that trauma and heal ultimately and now we're both I feel like so funny we came from such different places but now we've found each other and are on this healing journey like by and large in parallel and I'm Mm -hmm. so thankful for you because yeah me too I'm so (laughs) thankful for you well that's partially like that soft girl summer thing that we talk about just yeah It's a soft girl summer, everyone. It's a soft girl summer, everyone. We decided
0: this because, so the first episode, I brought this quote up so many times, but in the first episode, Anne-Marie, one of the guests I had on, said something so powerful that we have like both based a lot of our healing journey on, which is like, finding a way to be strong and tough
1: without being hard and cold. Yeah. And I think that when you've gone through the amount of shit that me and you have both gone through that you develop a tough exterior and that's your ego doing its job. The ego is supposed to protect you from ending up hurt or in a situation like you have been before. Yeah. But you have to be able to thank your ego for doing its job. Say, thank you so much for protecting me. But then unlearn all of that hard exterior so that you can still be the you that you were meant to be without that trauma. And you can be strong without being hard and shutting people out. And I think that, and I've told you this a million times through our own like conversations and our own healing journey, that there is so much strength in being vulnerable. There's so much strength in letting people in and leaning on the people that you love in times like this. And It's just a different type of strength. It goes back to that thing of being strong without being hard.
0: Yeah. And I think that's something that we both have, like, struggled with, like you said, in different ways, which is really honestly why I feel like our friendship was so divine but not even that, like, divinely timed. I think we were both in a place where we had, like, kind of done the initial work and, like, really worked through, like, a really big chunk of that childhood trauma and like you with like the modeling and like your family trauma and then me with family trauma. And like we like just being able to go back and forth and really like compare our stuff and be really vulnerable and honest with each other has not only been so healing for me and I know for you too, but it's created a space, which is the point of this podcast to realize that we're not all so different, which I is something we talk about all the fucking time, but I think it doesn't, Stop getting exhausting, which is something we joke about all the time. Like, we'll call each other, you guys, and we'll be like... We switch off back and forth by being like, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of realizing
1: things. I know being self-aware is just such a blessing and a curse. And we often look at other people who are so not self-aware and we're like, I could never live like that. I think it becomes a blessing and a curse when you are so self-aware and so conscious of your healing journey and so conscious of the work you're doing and the work you still have to do. Everything carries a little bit more meaning and a little bit more weight. Yeah, And it just gets exhausting. And I, I feel like I call you all the time and I'm like, I'm so tired of doing the work like when do I get a break like when do I get to just relax for a second and joke is you you don't the ever. work never stops it never and I stops. that's a tragic and beautiful thing and that's the whole I think genesis of life is just like that journey and that ride but I think that
0: and we've been working on like learning to not like overdramatize that. Like it doesn't have to be this bad thing. The funny joke we make is like once you start the healing journey, like you'll be you'll got be on this high and like you feel so free and you feel so good and like you can really feel like life get better. But it
1: never stops, baby. And like once you commit to it, you can't stop. Do you remember last year? Last year I was in therapy for like three months and had just uncovered all of this childhood trauma from the modeling stuff and how that played into my sense of self worth as a person and specifically how that was playing out in romantic relationships because ooh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. Because honestly, you know, I was going into these go sees is what you call them like three or four times a week in New York city where you are just lined up with hundreds of other girls who either look like you or don't look like you. And they're only picking one of you. So you go in And you're measured up against other girls. And then you go and you get picked or you don't get picked. When you are represented by a big agency, every once in a while they call you and your parent in as a child model to talk about the jobs you got, the jobs you didn't get, and why. And while I'm playing with like books in the corner, I'm still hearing everything that they're saying. And it was basically like, you know, she wasn't outgoing enough for this Gap commercial. I'll never forget it. It's burned into the back of my mind. I was a shy kid, so it was being told all the things that I wasn't and why another girl got picked over me. And I've been really lucky to not have any sort of untrustworthy situations in my romantic relationships. I've never been cheated on. I've never had a guy break my trust in that way, but I never trusted any of them, any of them. And it's because from childhood, I had this deep, deep rooted belief that I was not going to be good enough to be picked over another girl. Should he ever be tempted?
0: I'm I'm really happy you opened up about that because it's a huge connection. We have the feeling of not being good enough. And I think a lot of women, men of course too, but a lot of women struggle with this for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. I think both of ours is rooted in a lot of childhood trauma. Yes. But like, In general, this feeling of not being good enough and how it plays into relationships and dating and how difficult it is, especially when you grow up in a chaotic home or you grow up in chaotic situations or you have these really, really impactful moments as a child that really shape who you become.
1: Dating becomes so difficult. It's so difficult. And I think that, and I've told you this as of late, I'm not a believer in if he wanted to, we would. If they wanted to, they would. People treat you the way that they feel about you. I'm no longer a believer in that just because life is just not that simple. Everyone is coming into interpersonal relationships of any kind with their own trauma, their own shit, their own baggage. And by and large, the way someone treats you is a reflection of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's just more complicated than that. And I just had that situation with my very close friends of mine where the way I deal with things is not always the healthiest and I shut down and I don't want to lean on people. Soft girl summer. We're learning how to do that. Soft girl summer, soft girl summer. But I had to explain to them, you know, like I am not not leaning on you because I don't love you or because I don't care about you. It's just a reflection of the, the shit that I'm going through. And so it's just not as simple as like, especially with when you grew up with chaotic homes chaotic childhoods or just have a lot of trauma from stuff you've been through it's just not as simple as boiling it down to if you wanted to he would
0: yeah I think if he wanted to he would should be implied like in a relationship or like when you're with someone already or seeing someone already mm-hmm. like you're already in something with someone but like in the beginning or like those beginning stages or even like developing friendships or developing like relationships with people it's just not that simple and it's something we've really talked about in our own journey too, just how difficult it is to like re, so healing your, he- the healing journey, we'll call it rewiring the brain and patterns is so difficult already, right? Like it's actually like an exercise. You're exercising your brain. You're teaching yourself the actual way you're supposed to deal with things as like a healthy, like individual. Cause when you grow up in chaotic home or you grow up in a maybe abusive situation or a toxic situation, like you're going to start growing up with certain ideas of how things should be. So when you get to a certain point where you actually want to put in the work, you're like self-aware enough to figure out like, Ooh, I'm kind of toxic or ooh, I'm not handling my life. Okay. I need to like really work on it. That is like a fucking mission. Like you're putting effort and you're putting time in. Like this isn't just some easy journey, but then you're like, cool. I did the healing. I did the work. I'm so proud. Then you start trying to date and it's like, that's a whole nother ball
1: game. That is basically what happened to me. And this is the point that I was trying to make before is that I went to therapy for three months and uncovered all that childhood trauma with modeling. And I remember saying it to you and to my mom. I was like, I'm good. I did the work. Yeah. Lol. Yeah. (laughs) And I wanted to point at like romantic relationships that I was in and be like, you haven't done the work. I've done the work three months of therapy is not enough to unlearn all those traumas and those habits and those patterns and those beliefs. Yeah. Not to invalidate those three months, but like, lol. Not to, yeah, (laughs) not to invalidate it, but like, LOL, like to the, to the fact that I really thought that I had done the work and it took getting back into another romantic situation for me to realize how much work I still had left to do. But I think that that's kind of the beauty of interpersonal relationships. It's like, I'm good, like, by myself in a vacuum, but that's not life, and that's not reality, and so when it comes to friendships, romantic relationships, interpersonal relationships, it, at least for me, it has provided me with so many beautiful and so tragic opportunities to see all the places where I still had room to pour love into myself. Totally,
0: because I think we kind of went through the, like, a similar thing where, like, So after my last relationship, shit show, that's a different episode. Um, (laughs) I'm like, I hope he doesn't listen. (laughs) Actually, I hope he does. No, No, but like after that, I was kind of like, not that I was like anti man, like I wasn't like, fuck men, blah, blah, blah. But I was just like, I think I delusioned myself a bit within like the high of my healing journey that like, I don't actually need anyone. Like I've done so much work. I'm so happy with myself and like, I'm working through my shit. I actually don't need anyone. Like I'm good on my own jokes on me. (laughs) Like that's not true. And I think that like, as it continued and I really worked through these like really important things, I don't want to invalidate them. Like, I've done some serious like rewiring and like serious like everyday practices that have really shaped and given my life like a 360. But I think when it comes to dating, and I I wanted this whole conversation to be about pretty much dating and relationships because I think it's so important to talk about dating in the healing journey and just how complicated it is. It's like another level. Like Virginia, my therapist, I'm like my therapist Brittany knows my therapist <laughs> always talks about how like trauma, especially like childhood trauma, is like. like a glass shattering and it shatters in like so many different places and like you're essentially trying to just like mend all the pieces together so that it can come back together but there's like a really funny true metaphor within that that's like dude like those pieces are shattered and then you like mend some of it and you're like oh like I swept up those pieces like perfect my life's together and then you start trying to date and it's like oh shit I just stepped on a piece that I missed And then I just, like, stepped on another piece, and now there's, like, a piece of glass launched into my finger, and I have no idea what's going on. It's
1: messy, and it gets chaotic. And honestly, I think I took a really big break from dating. I was in a a four-and-a-half-year-long relationship. I lived with him. It was not a healthy situation on either side, and I will fully take accountability for the way I behaved in a relationship when I was unwhole and when I was unhealed. Totally. Totally. But after that relationship, I took like a four year hiatus from dating and I just really dove so deep into the healing process and dated myself for the first time ever and really showed up for myself and gave myself that love. But re entering the dating world after a hiatus like that, or after you've actually done some work to the point we've been talking about. It just illuminates all of these other shards of glass that you weren't even looking at that were behind you. You
0: just continue to realize these things and it doesn't have to be a bad thing. And I think it's hard to view it as not a bad thing because it's so intense, especially when like you're triggered all the time and all these new things pop up and you're like overwhelmed by the amount of healing that you need to do. But the reality is that like everyone is like working through this stuff just like we are. And we're actually if you're actually seeing these things and being like, wow, like I need to work on this, you should be proud that you're actually acknowledging it and being like, okay, cool. But that doesn't mean give up on dating, like keep dating and like try and like work through your stuff. And I think the hardest part and like something we've talked about, not only being able to trust other people with our heart, especially when you've been through like, that sounds so dumb, but like, it's the truth. Like being able to trust someone else with your heart, because we have a problem with like Mm self-worth, but trusting ourselves. To make a good call and I think that's like a really deep conversation that we have all the time because when you grow up in a chaotic home or you grow up in a toxic situation or maybe you go through a really traumatic relationship at a very young age you start to view love and relationships in a certain light based on what you're accustomed to right. So like for me and you, we always talk about how like we gravitate towards really chaotic situations or chaotic men or maybe some men who like haven't started the healing journey. Maybe they're good people. They just haven't started the healing journey. And like we're attracted to this like chaotic behavior because of the past. And so let's talk about that because I know that's something we're both really trying to work on because I am at a place right now where I feel like I am always going to trust my intuition I'm always going to trust like my gut, but I do not off the bat trust my reactions to things, and I don't trust my initial like response because I've learned that you know what, Hannah, like you're going through, you've been going through your healing journey and like the way you see certain things is sometimes off because of your past. And so you need to trust your intuition, you need to trust the work you've put in, but you need to like take a breath when you have reactions and take a breath when you're looking at different people because you can't always trust that.
1: Yeah. I think that that's something I'm really trying to work on right now because I have come to the realization that I have never experienced healthy love ever. And I think that through the course of my last relationship and he was a good guy, like I'm not, not, I hope he's very happy, not the man for me, but the relationship was so chaotic and so toxic high highs low lows screaming fighting then passionate making up from that fight it's like yeah the mania and the extremes of emotion i confused with love and confused with passion because that's what we grew up with it's just been hard it's really hard to rewire those types of things and love feels so much more vulnerable than things like friendship or other types of interpersonal relationships. And I think it's something I'm really trying to work on because even as of late, like I have been more attracted to the chaos and the instability Mm -hmm. and confusing those things with passion and love or the right person because of these gut feelings when really the high highs and the low lows actually create a chemical response in your brain that makes you become addicted to those things. And I, in the past, have pointed fingers at other people and been like, you're toxic, and you don't know how to lean into the calmness of a good thing. And then I was (laughs) actually confronted with real, stable, safe things, and I was like, oh, there's no passion, or oh, there's no spark, or I was skeptical and not trusting of it. And so now I'm in this place with dating where... I have healthy options that are being presented to me and those seem less attractive options or almost less safe options totally than the chaotic ones it is the craziest
0: thing to articulate and i think this is why we're best friends and why we've connected so well because we both really understand each other on this level and it's like funny because like p.s like you thought this was going to be like a funny dating conversation when in reality we're like uh, trauma trauma <laughs> funny for us (laughs) (laughs) everyone's like this is dark (laughs) no but really like I think this is why we've connected because we both understand this like distrust of ourself distrust of other people but the reality that like it doesn't have to stay that way and we're hopeful and I think that's what's really important because not even with like of course with dating and like but like even talking about like vulnerability and I've talked about this on like this past solo episode, like how scary it felt to be like vulnerable or like weak to someone else. Like it felt like this bad thing, even though like these people were like showing up for me and like caring for me or like a conversation is going really well. And I'm like, this feels so fucking weird. Like I'm scared. I feel unsafe right now, but that's a trauma response because I'm not used to a safe conversation. And so being able to look at that and at least put in half the work and be able to say like, wow, I'm noticing this about myself. I feel unsafe and I feel chaotic, even though I should feel safe and not chaotic because this is a really healthy conversation. And I think it's exactly what you're talking about is like when you grow up in a situation where that's so chaotic or you've been in a relationship that's so chaotic and you're used to the high highs and the low lows or the yelling fights. Like, oh my gosh, the moment I realized that like families don't yell at each other. Oh my God. I was shook which is sad. And like, there's no, you know, my parents have like done a lot of work too. And like every family has their trauma and that's no hate on them. Like I love them, but like, that's a part of my trauma. Hearing from other people like, Oh, like families don't scream at each other or, Oh, boyfriends aren't supposed to yell at you Yeah. to come out from that. And exactly what you're saying, like meet a nice guy and be like, this guy's fucking weird or he's
1: fake as fuck. Yeah. (laughs) he's like buying you flowers and showing up for you and you're like can't trust you you're fake as fuck
0: (laughs) but in reality like it's the truth and I think being able to admit that and like spot we're in now I feel like we're both in a really good place where and I say this just for if someone is listening and can relate to what we're talking about there is hope And if you're putting in work, it's not going to happen overnight, but I've seen it already in both of us start to trust other people in like ways we wouldn't have like a year and a half ago.
1: Totally. And I think that to your point about just the healing journey, that's something that you have to show up to with intention and purpose every single day. And it gets exhausting, but at the end of the day, it's more exhausting to do the other. Yeah. And we talk about this a lot. It's this concept of the path of least resistance and people think, If I just bypass this hard conversation or if I just don't make a change out of this toxic cycle I'm in, it's fine. Like, that's the path of least resistance. It's just to not do that hard thing and deal with it later on. But really, the path of least resistance is doing the hard thing right now so that you can save yourself down the line from having to do that same thing Eight, nine, ten times over.
0: Yeah. I think that there's a lie and we talk about it all the time. There's a lie we tell ourselves that if we save it for later, it will be easier. And we've seen it in our lives the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. People who have saved it for later and it's not easy. It's fucking hard. It's always gonna be hard. So if you're self aware enough to come to terms with like the things you need to work on, start even if it's a smidge a day.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't have to be these big monumental wholesale changes. And I think that you've been really helpful in that and for my own healing journey and just especially with communication. Vulnerable communication is something I openly struggle with. And I think that that's a result of just growing up with a dad who was veteran military cop. It was in a very warm and fuzzy environment. I love my dad to death, and he doesn't know any different. That's how he was like conditioned yeah. when he was mm-hmm. serving. But... My feelings were not validated ever and were laughed at or I was dramatic or whatever else. And that's ultimately what I gravitated towards and accepted in all of my relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think that in the journey towards vulnerable communication and open communication, you told me and this was so powerful and helpful for me, was that you don't have to go and then just like spill your heart and now the communication has to be like 100% open and 100% honest and 100% vulnerable. Start with something small. And starting with those small things ultimately all adds up to something bigger and doing, getting more comfortable doing the small things ultimately makes these bigger healing tasks feel more manageable
0: yeah what do you think are some ways not to put you on the spot what do you think are some ways that are like small that have helped you get better at communication because I've already seen a change in you over the last couple months
1: I think that for me starting small with just telling my friends what was going on in my life and when I know that that sounds crazy but for me talking about the hard things you know moving across the country was not an easy feat it's arguably one of the hardest things I think I'll ever have to do and there was a period of time where despite having like you and having friends I was still so lonely like living alone for the first time I was so used to having like my group of 45 friends in New York City like I was really lonely and really struggling and I think that something very small that I did to start healing this was to just voice that I was feeling lonely yeah. and just say it to a friend. And I think that that goes to soft girl summer. It was just like allowing the people who love you to support you and leaning on them when you are actually in need of someone to lift you up. So just like small pieces of communication, just openly communicating what was going on in my life instead of shutting everyone out yeah. well, was It's helpful. one thing to
0: like, we always talk about like, it's one thing to admit like when you have a problem, another to not do anything about it. How do you expect to trust people more? How do you expect to get more comfortable with vulnerability and communication if you don't try to create new memories associated with those things?
1: Yeah, definitely. You have to rewrite it. And honestly, those little things will feel very uncomfortable at first. Yeah, and this is no easy task. This isn't an easy task. I'm not going to boil it down to just being like, you just do it. Yeah, no. It feels really, really uncomfortable and it feels really almost wrong. Like I was going to text my best friends about like going on a date or like the fact that I was feeling really lonely that day and it felt wrong to me. Yeah. But when you care about people and you care about yourself, And being the best version of yourself, it's worth doing those little uncomfortable things. And ultimately it prepares you. It's like anything else in life. It's like practice runs for like bigger, more significant things. And it doesn't have to be like we said, those wholesale changes. You can start with really small things that don't feel as scary so that It'll help you tackle the big, scary things in the end.
0: Totally. Totally. And I think this all plays into our concept where, that we use for everything, which is don't over-assign importance so to Im- everything. So
1: important.
0: We could <laughs> go on a whole rant. I'll just start off by saying, watch He's Not That Into You, if you haven't already.
1: If you have not seen He's Not That Into You, it's life-changing, and I'm going to totally expose <laughs> us right now. Stop. We watched this movie. We had a wine and cheese night. We watched this movie and dead ass took notes. Like we yeah, were we pausing to have moments of discussion and take notes. And one of the most important notes that it came out of that is to not over assign importance yeah. to things.
0: Everything. It implies to dating. Like, don't make up shit from nothing. Don't over-assign importance to little interactions. Don't over-assign importance to things that are, like, in between the lines. Like, we do that as women all the time. But, like, don't over-assign importance to things in general that aren't that big. Like, to us, they feel big because there's a trauma associated mm-hmm. for you. Like, this communication thing, like for me vulnerability like we overassign this like intense 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 feeling of like the wrong that could happen if yeah. we do it we both had a recent interactions that proved to us that like good things can come actually from doing the hard things and we always say it right like it's something we all know like good things come from putting yourself out there like it's like the dumbest cliche we hear all the time but i think when you struggle with something everyone struggles with something multiple things usually but one thing like vulnerability communication whatever it is and we tend to stay away from it because we know that we're bad at it or it's uncomfortable or there's been a lot of rejection Mm -hmm. that's come with that thing right and how are you supposed to associate that with something else or heal from something if you don't continue to try and do it and get a good reaction from it
1: yeah I mean yesterday I had a really vulnerable conversation it was the first time I think in maybe seven years, and I know that sounds insane, that. that I had a vulnerable conversation with a guy like about dating and I was so nervous going into it, but because I had practiced with my friends and started doing those little things. That's a good example of how you can get better too. Right. I had this big, meaningful conversation and honestly, it didn't feel as scary. And instead of Dealing with what I dealt with growing up or dealing with what I dealt with in my last relationship, my feelings were validated and my feelings were heard. And I walked out of that situation not only being so proud of myself for showing up for myself in that way and making the moves to heal and to be better and taking that opportunity that the universe provided to me to grow But I also was like, wow, like my feelings are not always going to be invalidated and someone is going to hear me. And it's it really was so powerful to have those long seated beliefs be overwritten in that moment.
0: I think a huge part of healing is realizing that the moments of rejection and the moments of trauma and the moments of like just really intense dissatisfaction from things like vulnerability and communication Like, healing is realizing that, like, that wasn't about you.
1: Yes, 100%. And that goes back to what we were saying before as, like, people most often treat you a reflection of the way that they feel about themselves or the shit that's going on in their own lives. It's not always as simple as they treat you the way that they feel about you. And
0: people say that all the time. Like, Oh, like bullies are bullying because of them, but we don't apply it to like, we don't genuinely apply it to ourselves and like healing and the way we like interact with other people. Mm -hmm. And so I think like a part of the healing journey is realizing that not only it's not about you, like don't oversight importance, Mm -hmm. another way to use that. yes. But like, it's not that serious one. And like, forgiveness is key too you have to be able to forgive like the people that have wronged you and I know that's going like in a different direction but I think like a huge part for me at least of like working on feeling okay with being vulnerable and like feeling okay to put myself out there with risk of rejection has been not only realizing like you know all those past interactions like that wasn't about me but on top of that like I need to forgive like my mom, my dad, the exes, the men that have like made me feel less than 100%.
1: And it's just as important to forgive yourself in those moments because I went through a little bit of like that toxic situationships thing. And I forgave him for me, but now I'm working on forgiving myself for allowing myself to abandon my own self-worth and my own needs Mm -hmm. and what I deserved. I think that it's just as important to forgive yourself for allowing those things or enabling those things or your own part in, in how a situation ended up just as important to forgive yourself as it is to forgive the other person.
0: Yeah. For forgive the person pre healing journey. I think I ran into, I ran into my ex at a bar in gas lamp and not my most recent ex, <laughs> like my high school ex, like very, very long time ago. Um, but I like saw him and it was whatever you know it was years ago it doesn't bother me but what bothered me was oh my god like he only knows me as the person I was in high school and that girl was so depressed she was so anxious she was manic she was bitchy as fuck And she was sensitive beyond belief. Mm -hmm. And it was so embarrassing for me. Like I was cringed the fuck out. Like just thinking about, oh my God, this man is in the bar and he's like running into me. And he like views me this certain way that I'm not anymore. Mm -hmm. And it was this moment of realization that I had where I was like, Hannah, you got to forgive yourself for the person you used to be. It wasn't your fault. But you're an adult now and you realized it was your responsibility to get your shit together and you did and you got
1: to move on. Yeah, you had to forgive yourself and forgive other people for the way that they treated you or the way that you treated yourself when you were unhealed. Yeah. Yeah, that's good.
0: So now that we've talked about all of this, what are you doing now in your healing journey when it comes to like dating and approaching life maybe you're leaning into or you're yeah. being hesitant
1: about so I've been like going on dates and it's been really I know it's been I'm so proud of you thank you so, so much good. I am dating any single man in San Diego <laughs> know, she's like I'm here I'm here i gonna put your number in the fucking comment <laughs> it's been a really interesting journey for me and I am so proud of myself because I went through a lot of trauma at one my dad almost died of COVID he was in the ICU for 75 days mm-hmm. and It's still not a hundred percent better. And also went through the breakup of my four and a half year relationship all in the span of under a year. And after that shut completely down and said no to every single date that I was asked on over the course of like four years. And now leaning back into dating has been really rewarding and I'm so proud of myself. And to me, I think it goes back to not over assigning importance and not over assigning importance to dating because I'm just getting to know people and I've finally, I never thought I was going to get here, but have reframed it in my mind to be like, it's not that serious. This is not that important. Like I'm just going out and getting to know people and just seeing where it goes. I'm not dating with the pressure on myself that this person has to be my person or that I have to date them with a title or anything like that. And I'm just kind of relaxing and letting go and surrendering into the actual moment and not what comes next.
0: And that's something that has been really big for us that we've been talking about is like not only being able to be proud of yourself. We're so hard on ourselves. We're I, I think everyone is hard on themselves. If you're listening to this podcast, that means you're probably into self-help, which means you're probably hard on yourself. So welcome. <laughs> welcome. To the club. We need to take moments to be proud of ourselves. Talk about our like movement in the healing journey. You do have to surrender. And it's one of the hardest things as a human to do.
1: Absolutely. Letting go is so hard, but I think it's once I let go that I really found peace and I really found freedom. And it's manifested in this freedom to date. And I, in the spirit of just surrendering to what is, whatever is meant to be yours is already yours and is already on its way to you. And that'll become clear in time. So there's no need to worry about if he's not texting you back. There's no need to worry about why he hasn't made a plan or whether or not you're going to see him next weekend because honestly none of that matters and it's not that serious because if he doesn't text you again he doesn't make a plan he wasn't meant to be yours anyways yeah
0: surrendering is like kind of this oxymoron where you think it's like the scariest thing ever, but it actually gives you the most peace with Absolutely. whatever you're going through. And like, I think something that we talked about yesterday when I was on my walk and we talk on the phone like every night, but we live in the same city. Like FYI,
1: <laughs> no, like sometimes for three hours, for it's hours. like actually ridiculous for hours.
0: But we were talking about how learning how to like lean away from the word lonely and lean into longing. You said that and it was so fucking yeah. Good.
1: We have been both feeling this feeling that we don't quite characterize as pure loneliness. And what I think it is, is a longing, a longing and a yearning. And that is a part of both of us showing up to the healing work of undoing that really tough exterior and allowing ourselves to like lean into soft girl summer and just soft girl summer woo, and just be <laughs> I don't know, lonely
0: sounds like a negative word yeah. and that's why I don't like it. No, I like it's the word longing and longing. longing. Like longing for more and that's why you're committed to like yourself.
1: Yeah, and I think that even us reaching this point of yearning or longing for a companion or a significant other in that way is reflective of our own healing journey because I think that you have, there's a lot of healing work that needs to be done alone. I, I firmly believe that. It, yeah. If you were in a place where you still have a lot of work to do, it's going to be really hard for you to show up for yourself, let alone show up for somebody else. Mm -hmm. But when you reach a certain point in your healing journey, it's time to find someone who's going to hold your hand while you continue to work on you and grow with someone. And I think that we've both huge testament to us and the work that we've done reached that point where we're now ready to share the version of ourselves that we've worked on with someone else and grow and learn and heal with someone.
0: Yeah. And there's a balance, right? Like we talk about the metaphor all the time of like, when you're in a relationship, like you want someone to hold your hand and you want to hold their hand, you can't be dragging them with you from behind and they can't be dragging you with them. Like there needs to be a level of work. Like you said, that's done alone and like the same with the other person. But I think there's a level of balance and support that goes into a healing journey as well because like at the end of the day, you can't just like sit back and be like, well, I'm not fully healed. So I'm not going to put myself out there. Like that's unrealistic. Like welcome to life. Like you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to be fully healed. Like surprise. You're human.
1: Yeah. The work never stops. Yeah. The work never,
0: unfortunately we just keep realizing things (laughs) whenever I get to the, we're self-aware whenever I get to like the end of a, like, um, like healing chapter, like, you know when you can, you can feel that you're almost done with something.
1: I'm there now. Yeah. I'm there now. It's a scary time in that place. Well, you're kind of waiting for the other (laughs) shoe to (laughs) drop,
0: which maybe is our trauma.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Where it's like, when is it all going to blow up again? Yeah.
0: Because it truly is like you're, it's like almost like I'm, I'm like, hit this ball, hit this ball, hit this ball. And you're like in this rally and it's, it's empowering though. And I think on some days it's hard and it doesn't feel as empowering. And it feels like that, like tennis ball machine. That's just like hitting the balls at you. And you're just like, "Eh, eh,
1: eh." yeah. And I think the important thing is though, is in those really deep healing moments, the breakdown comes before the breakthrough. And I think that for both of us in our really hard moments, we both went through really hard moments of, of healing and learning and growing Thank God at the same time. It's necessary. love's company. It was really scary. It was May and June was really fucking scary. It was so scary. I feel like the
0: podcast definitely knows that I had a hard month. Cause like every solo I was like, "This am not month doing well.
1: Rough. <laughs> We're coming out of the cave. We're coming out of the cave. But in those really deep moments, there was so much like self-realization going on. Yes. So many leaps and bounds in realizations and growing and just realizing patterns. And I think that that's where healing really starts is to start really observing yourself and becoming the observer of your own mind, your own thoughts, your own patterns and actions so that you can then identify ways in which you're not acting from a whole healed place.
0: Yeah. And I think like, I always tell like a couple things from that one, like I think we can now move forward, especially, and you're, we're human. We're always going to be scared and fearful and anxious when like, problems arise when hard times come. But I think now like my advice for anyone going through a hard time or like to us, something I would tell you the next time something like this happens, because God forbid we know one's coming, (laughs) um, is there's going to be some serious growth coming. And it sounds like cliche, it sounds like easier said than done, but I think in the moments of unknown and uncertainty and anxiousness within the healing journey, you have to kind of sit there and be like, okay, what is God trying to show me right now? Something good's going to come of this. Last time I was in here, I had some really cool realizations about myself that I've been able to apply into my life. And I think just having a positive outlook in that way, it makes it easier to surrender to what's going on.
1: 100%. And I am a firm believer that you are the co-creator of your life with the universe and... As long as you can look at yourself and say that you believe that you have done everything that you can in that moment to fix a situation, to show up whole and healed or better than you have in the past, the rest of it you have to surrender and understand that there are some things that are out of your control and you just have to give that up to the universe and the powers that be. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's so much easier said than done. Relinquishing control is one of the hardest things, especially for especially for trauma kids.
1: (laughs) Oh, 100% control is, is the way that you feel safe when you've gone through a lot of stuff. And again, that's the ego doing its job in protecting you. But I think that on the other side of that, like monumental hill of surrender is peace, true peace that comes from within you. And that's, the most powerful thing ever when you can create your own peace and that comes from within you and it's not peace that's created by your external circumstances.
0: Yeah. And then at that to that same point, I think that's why it's so important to really have support and be able to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, it is not weak of me to trust someone and talk with someone about what I'm going through. And I think that's why friendship has been so important to us during this time too and like we all know especially if like you're a woman in your 20s 30s 40s like adult friendship is so hard so hard so hard especially for us I feel like we both are just like we aren't as trusting and we're not as like super high outgoing with everyone and no hate to the girls like that like you do you girl I'm so happy and jealous that you can be like that yeah genuinely but like I'm not like that and I think like adult friendship is something to be treasured and like not taken lightly and if you find someone that's there for you and wanting to support you like trust them and like go back and forth because if we didn't have each other during this time it would have been really hard
1: I don't even know I don't even I actually don't even think I would be in San Diego if I didn't meet you Uh and I think that. that I would have maybe not taken the job or had found a way to move to LA regardless. But San Diego was not on my radar, but when the time came down and the pressure was on it and the universe was in the circumstances were saying San Diego, I was like, well, at least I have a friend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And like, also your grandma was like literally telling you to come
1: here. So you guys, I am a big believer in the universe, signs, synchronicities, all that stuff. I don't believe in coincidences, anything like that. <laughs> and I got to San Diego and Hannah was like, it's sunset. I want to show you the Marina and all these boats. She parked her car I get out of the car, step foot in San Diego for the first time ever. My grandmother passed when I was three years old, but I feel like on a soul level closer to her than I do most of my relatives who are still living. And we always say that 555 is her symbol for us. And honestly, like they were her lotto numbers. She was this like Asian immigrant, (laughs) like this Thai woman who just like had long red nails, wore a ton of gold jewelry and just like gambled a shit ton. And 555 were... (laughs) Five five. She was an icon. Five 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 were her lotto numbers. And so every single time we see five five five, we say that it's her. And I stepped foot in San Diego for the first time ever. And there's a submarine parked in the harbor, and just the largest ever 555 written on it. And I was just in absolute disbelief. And from that moment, it was the first time I'd ever stepped foot in San Diego. I just It was like when that ex coworker had said that thing to me about, by the way, like they have an office in San Diego. It was just this gut feeling. And I think that from that trip visiting you, I knew that even though I was saying LA, the universe was saying San Diego.
0: Yeah. And then tell them about pulling into my garage for the first time the same day. So we pull
1: into Hannah's garage. Then we pull into Hannah's garage for the first time and she parks and we get out and the car that's assigned to the spot next to her. The license plate is rock five, (laughs) five, five. And I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. She was
0: like trying to deny San Diego so hard. And like your grandma was just
1: like (laughs) five, 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 five. Like I think it happened multiple times. It was, it happened multiple times. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? It was literally to the point where I had like contacted my dad and was like, She is here with me and she is screaming San Diego. But I said, I don't believe in coincidences. And I think this is also a really good lesson. And it has been for me. The universe will always give you what you need and it might not pan out the way you want. I originally came down to San Diego like to see a guy and ultimately that didn't end up working out. But I would have never stepped foot in San Diego if it wasn't for him. And now it is my place. It is my home. And it feels so unbelievably aligned and so unbelievably right. And it also is kind of how our friendship blossomed. So even though that might not have ended the way I would have wanted to, I it changed my life in the way that I think it was ultimately supposed to, and it served its purpose.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a perfect reminder for the hard times and the confusion as well. Mm -hmm. Because that's a huge lesson we've been going through right now too, where I've just been like, Brittany, I have no idea what God is trying to do in my life right now. And we've just had to both remind each other, like, We're going to look back on this moment and be like, LOL. Remember when we were freaking out about that thing that like we thought was supposed to be ours. And then it turns out it's not. I'm so happy it wasn't.
1: Yeah. And I think it's also a big lesson and it's something we're both learning right now, which is how to sit in the in-between. The in-between is this beautiful, amazing place where all outcomes become possible. And for a lot of people who not having control feels uncomfortable to them, yeah, that and be charged right the in between same here i mean the in between feels so scary and you're constantly looking to the answer or what's next and you're missing where real life occurs which is exactly where you are right now the in between is a beautiful beautiful space of opportunity and once you learn to surrender and learn to let go. You understand that that space is where every single door is available to you. And ultimately the right one will open in the correct divine timing that's meant for you.
0: Yeah. I'm going to play this recording of you saying this to yourself
1: next time. Please do, because (laughs) I do not follow my own advice. We all
0: do it though. And like, I think that's what's so important about this. And that's why I love having conversations with you like this all the time is because Everyone has this in them, like the power. Everyone knows they're supposed to surrender, right? Like everyone knows deep in their soul, I believe this, in your intuition, your soul, that like you're supposed to surrender and that like the good is coming and that like bad, there's good that always comes from bad. But I think it doesn't it doesn't hurt to have someone you trust remind you. And that's why I feel like to our point about like we're going for a soft girl summer, like we don't have to be alone. We don't have to do this alone. Like you can be strong and also be supported like get people around you that like care enough about you to put you in check. Um, I saw a quote on Threads today. Oh my, oh my god. god! New app shout out. <laughs> Jay Shetty's on there, of course. I'm following. Duh. Yeah, he's and like he put everything. Yeah, he's he really is. Um, his accent is just so calming. But he said, "Real friends will check your ego, challenge your comfort zone, and champion your success." And I read it and thought of you because I was like. That's what it is. Like, you can't do it alone. I wish I could. We say it all the time. I wish I could. I wish as humans we can do it alone. We can't. That's just the reality. I think we're all more than capable, but emotionally, like, we're meant to be with other people. And that's why surrounding yourself with people who have the same views as you, not only in the form of, like, success in business, but I think people who view life the same in regard to the plan and, like, surrendering and, like, healing, like, that's important. When I'm going through something hard, I want someone who's going to be like, you literally told me this a couple months ago when I was struggling, and I'm going to echo it back to you because like you're being a little bitch right now.
1: Yeah, I think it's really important. I think that very often, and I think that this is the correct supportive way to do it and a gentle way of doing it, you'll ask me questions in these moments of being like, Mm. do you think it's really that deep? Or do you think it's really that important? Or do you think that you're maybe over assigning importance to this? And I think that those questions are really thought provoking and they're really good reminders to come back to center and come back to yourself because you hold these core beliefs. But I think that life throws you on a roller coaster. And in those down times, it becomes so easy to throw all that faith out the window, to throw all that surrender out the window, all that advice that you give all these things that you preach. And it's really important to surround yourself with people who
0: are going to remind you, are going to
1: remind you of your values and remind you that Everything is going to be okay. And most importantly, and I'm so thankful for you in this lead you back to your own inner guidance that truly believes that it will actually all be okay.
0: Yeah. I love that. I really love that. I think stay curious in everything with people, with your life, with your healing, like constantly question. I think you said it beautifully. Like questions are the perfect way to like get to know someone more, push someone more, keep people thinking And not be so hard on yourself and others.
1: Yeah. And I think that this is something you talk about a lot, which is just staying curious. Like, don't get mad at people get curious don't get frustrated with people get curious yeah same thing with yourself don't get mad at yourself get curious as to why those emotions are arising or why you did something or why you reacted some way and you'll find out a lot about yourself in that process totally
0: be gentle with yourself get to know yourself like katie rose i've had her on the podcast too she always talks about like treat yourself like you would treat the most romantic intimate partner nurture yourself like get to know yourself ask yourself questions because that all goes back to to what we were talking about if you have a hard time like we do and um I think everyone struggles with this in some capacity just because we're human if you have a hard time trusting yourself like ask yourself questions when you have a reaction to something ask yourself why don't just react like it's I swear like relationships would be so much easier if we could all just like breathe a little and ask more questions because a lot of the time it's just communication and like, oh,
1: absolutely. It's
0: just like, we don't understand each other or like, even like with my girlfriends and like, just as someone who grew up, like raised to be super overly sensitive, I've had to really rewire myself in that way and have to really ask myself questions. Like, why is like my immediate reaction in my head to like get upset or get offended? Like, why? Like, it, should I actually be offended or is this an old Hannah talking? And that has saved me so many confrontations, so many bad days. Like I'm able to snap myself out of things way quicker and it's allowed healing in my life. So I think that's what I would say too. Like one of the biggest things you can do in a healing journey is just ask yourself and others more questions.
1: Ask more questions, but also don't be afraid to extend yourself the grace that you're so willing to extend to others. Oh, so hard. Yeah. I think that, you know, we don't really often, expect perfection out of anyone in our lives but we so often expect it of ourselves and i think that in these in this spirit and concept of healing journeys ask those hard questions give yourself the grace while you're learning while you're growing while you're healing and learn to fall in love with the process it is a process but it's really fucking cool when you start to look deeply into yourself and ask those questions of you and when you are surrounding yourself with people who ask you those hard questions about yourself It is so cool to learn more about yourself and to fall in love with that process of learning and healing and ultimately growing into the best version of yourself. Yes. And it also allows you to live your life with so much more empathy for others. And more authentically.
0: Yeah. More authentically and unapologetically. (laughs) Ding, ding.
1: But like
0: just empathy is one of the hardest things. Like we all have empathy for strangers, right? And we all have empathy, especially I feel like we talk about all the time. Like we're walking down the street and we're like, Ooh, like there's some bad energy coming from her. Like, I hope she's good. Like, you know what I mean? It's so easy to extend empathy in that way. But when like someone fucks you over or when like you're pissed at your like mom and dad or something that happened years ago, or like you're, maybe you're mad at an ex or whatever. You keep holding on to all this anger. When you start looking inward and asking yourself more questions and seeing the way you being so self-aware to the point where you're like, really analyzing the way you react to things and choosing to ask yourself questions rather than react. You start to notice shit. Like if I reacted on everything that I was thinking and everything that I had been through, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be acting great either. And I think it allows you to extend empathy and forgiveness to people in your life and like your past too, which has been
1: really healing for me. Yeah. And I think that goes back to the whole concept of self-awareness. And I think curiosity plays in really nicely to that. Just stay curious. I was just
0: going to ask you, what do you think is like, do you think staying curious and asking questions is the easiest way to become self-aware. Like how can someone become more self-aware? I think it's something that some people are better at than others, but let's say someone's listening and they're like, these girls are like talking about self-awareness and whatever. Like, how do I know if I am or how can I like become more self-aware?
1: I think that one of the ways that I personally did that, it was a book that was called the subtle art of not giving a fuck. And the big lesson that I took out of that was to zoom out a little. I think it's so easy to get so caught up in just you, 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 or just like the motions or the routine of everyday life. Zoom out a little on your life. Take a 360 degree view and become the observer of yourself. Observe your thoughts because you, you are as a soul and as a being is separate from that voice in your head. Start, so good. Start becoming the observer when you have a negative thought that says I feel ugly right now take a second to be like I don't know what voice said that but why did it why did my voice in my head just say that and you can take that approach on literally everything in your life every action you take make sure that you're taking a second to like let it breathe and zoom out a bit and Become the observer of all of your actions and all of your thoughts. And it sounds daunting when you say it like that, but when you start to practice it or you'll catch yourself like speaking negatively to yourself in the mirror or something, take a second to be like, Whoa, why did I just think that? That's so good. I'm so glad you
0: said that because we're stoked on the healing journey. We're those people. We want everyone to like receive healing. We fell in love with the journey learning how to be the observer and learning to be curious with yourself and like lean into self-awareness and like exercise self-awareness because you can become like self-aware. I don't think it's something you're like, born with or whatever like you got to practice it it's an exercise i think it can sound like really intense like oh my gosh like so i have to live my life like so heavy all the time and be so deep all the time no at first it's hard but then it becomes second nature like you just start doing it i feel like i'll have moments where like i do it and i'm like oh my god like i did it that naturally like so proud of myself and you can kind of give yourself that grace and that little applause for yourself when you do something like that but learning to become the observer is the most freeing thing from your internal thoughts like your negative internal thoughts yeah
1: and to your point it doesn't have to be so daunting like if you catch yourself in the mirror before you're going out and you're like damn my hair fucking sucks today take a second and be like you know what you are a hot ass bitch it doesn't matter what your hair looks like and rewrite that narrative as you're catching yourself And this, all it takes is intention. The second you set that intention, even hearing this podcast now, I guarantee you that the next time that you go and that voice in your head says something that is not true about yourself, or that is a reflection of hurt or trauma or unhealed parts of yourself, you're going to have that second to be like, oh yeah, that podcast, you know what? No, you look gorgeous right now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because at the end of the day, And it all goes back to our other thing that we say all the time. And everyone says it, but they don't apply it to more parts of their life. Fake it till you make it, bitch. Oh, absolutely. That's why our affirmations started for me. And that's why they're so important to me because of like the body dysmorphia issues, because of the depression, because of the anxiety, because of the feelings of I'm not good enough. Every time that something seeps into my mind now, I immediately match it with an affirmation. If you're going to affirm yourself negatively 24 seven, we do it all the time. People are like affirmations are stupid. Oh, well you negatively affirm yourself all day every day in your head most likely so like if you're constantly telling yourself i'm not good enough i'm too fat i'm ugly i'm never gonna do this i'm never gonna achieve this you're negatively affirming yourself and you're not matching it with anything positive so you gotta rewrite the script you gotta flip the narrative because baby that's the healing journey yes and you're the only one that has control in switching the narrative. Not your parent who was mean to you. Not your ex who abused you. No one has the responsibility to help you get to the next level except for you.
1: Yeah. And that that quote, this quote circulates all the time, but it's like, make your brain or make your mind a happy place to be or a beautiful yeah. place to be and it goes back to what we were talking about the the whole self awareness thing seems so daunting but it starts with these little tiny things of like looking in your mirror and catching yourself when you're talking negatively to yourself about your looks or when you're at work and you mess something up and you call yourself stupid it's these little tiny moments that ultimately lead you to be able to look at larger patterns in your life it's totally just like as simple as like practicing a sport or like I'm learning surfing like the more I do it the better I get at it
0: yeah and it's this principle we preach all the time that's like to people who are like well that's so hard it's so hard like I can't do that or like I'm too ingrained or like whatever like that's too intense it's like what you're sitting in what you're dealing with what you're saying to yourself is extremely harder you've just gotten so adjusted to it that you don't even realize So when you actually start healing, yes, of course, it's very uncomfortable and hard. When you start practicing these things like reaffirming yourself positively or staying curious or asking questions or really putting in effort to rewrite narratives and patterns, yes, it's going to be hard at first and very uncomfortable. But you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, was I holding on to such intense, like dark, heavy things I feel so much lighter now not that I'm like all perfect now but it's extremely lighter so it's like this lie we tell ourselves right like that's so hard when in reality we've just gotten so used to the heaviness of these negative things
1: yeah and you don't have to go searching for all these opportunities to be better the universe will provide you with every single opportunity that you need to break toxic cycles to be kinder to yourself to extend more grace to yourself to heal and to match that like You have to be dedicated, and you have to commit,
0: because the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, is going to drop shit in your way, and you have to be proactive enough to see it and actually lean into it.
1: A hundred percent. And if you choose to stay stuck in your toxic cycles, if you choose to stand in your own way, stand in your own way, or continue to perpetuate these negative patterns, you're going to be faced with those same challenges again and again. And it goes back to that concept of the path of least resistance if you do the hard thing now or you at least start to do the hard things now it will ultimately make the rest of your life on this planet easier than it would be if you prolonged facing all of those demons or all of that work
0: yeah yeah but I guess I wanted to just have this open conversation. Cause we have so many conversations like this to not only just talk through this stuff, because I feel really blessed to have someone like you that I can talk about through this stuff with all the time, because there isn't a lot of people that have like someone that's willing to have this deep of a conversation with them all the time. But I wanted to have this so that people could have, you know, at least us virtually, to like kind of think this through with because I do believe the same as you that like having these conversations and really thinking about these things in our life really does lead to significant change and more happiness. Like we deserve happiness here. And that's something that me and you have like really talked about that we struggle with. Like are we deserving of love and happiness, which we all are. But I think a lot of times insecurity, our past rejection, trauma can lead us to believe otherwise. We all deserve to be happy and doing these things have increased my happiness like a hundredfold. I'm so happy that I have you in my life to like remind me of that but also so happy that you came here to have this discussion with me live on the podcast, because I I think people deserve to hear it.
1: Yeah. And I hope that it's helpful to people out there and just helps people come to the realization that you are deserving of all of that peace and all of that bliss. It is like euphoric when you get there and it makes all the hard work worth it. And you are worth showing up for yourself in that way. Yeah. I love that.
0: I think we should end there. Yeah. So good. Um, I'm obviously going to ask you the question. And like, obviously, you guys, Brittany's going to come back for lots of episodes because we could have conversations like this all fucking day. It's free therapy, you guys. It really is. Like, sometimes we will have to start our phone calls and I'll be like, can we like be light
1: today? Like, yeah, and then we usually end up talking about like dick.
0: Yeah, true. <laughs> Honestly, true. Sorry, dad. <laughs> um. So now that you've been... Through your journey so far, the healing journey, the work, the move. We'll have to get into a different episode of you, like, talking about that move. Because I really think your move from New York to San Diego is, like, so inspiring and cool. Takes a lot of guts to. It inspired
1: that girl. Did I tell you? No. She DM'd me, and she had just moved from New York to Miami, and she was like, I did it because of you. She was like, I did it because you inspired me, and I couldn't believe that you left everything in New York.
0: See, that's another point that I'd like to make before we end the episode is like, you don't even know who you're inspiring by healing
1: Oh, absolutely. and you don't have
0: to be. And I just did a post on the podcast the other day about like ways to be vulnerable without actually saying anything to anyone. Like you can be vulnerable and inspire others without actually like being an influencer or having a podcast. Like your action that people see is going to inspire people, the way you treat people, the way you stay curious, the way you communicate That's going to inspire people. Yeah.
1: The energy you put out there attracts more of that same energy. So you can put out the negative vibes and and be down on yourself, but that's what you're going to attract back to you. And those are the types of people that you're going to ultimately end up surrounding yourself with. If you're putting out positivity, hope, trust, surrender, all of those beautiful like frequencies of emotions... That's what you're ultimately going to inspire outward and attract to you. Mm -hmm. But um,
0: now that you've just started this healing journey and really dedicated yourself to it, and I've seen it firsthand, and I'm so proud of you as a best friend. um, How do you see it? How do you
1: see it? How do I see it? How I see it is that the universe is always conspiring in your favor the universe will always provide you with opportunities, lessons, redirections that allow you to heal and to grow and blossom into the person that you were always meant to be. There are no wrong times. There are no wrong beginnings, no wrong endings, no wrong pivots. And the universe may not always give you everything that you want, but it will certainly give you everything that you need. Yeah. And that's and how I And sometimes what
0: you want is not actually what you want yes
1: exactly i love
0: that you said that it's so good thank you so much for coming on. thank you
1: so much for having me on i love you i love you too
0: thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed the episode and i hope you leave here feeling motivated and inspired do not forget to rate and review the pod on apple podcasts and spotify and don't forget to follow how i see it pod so you can keep up with podcast updates and see who's coming on next and if you're not already come join the fam and follow at how hand sees it thank you guys